Good evening. I want to uh, offer you a warm welcome also, and uh, it's wonderful to be here with all of you. I recognize many of you now, and I rec also recognize many of you from the retreat that La and I did at Stonehouse, so it's so nice to see you again. And uh, it's so nice to be with La and Tara. I, uh, I love coming here. Uh, to be with you and with them. So thank you so much for being here and thank you for your practice. And this is the third year that we, the three of us have taught together and it's been in February before. And the reason I know that is because it's always ended with the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> however, I love it this year that the retreat is in January and not because it no longer interferes with the Super Bowl, but <laughs> What a wonderful way to begin the new year uh, by setting the intention to deepen our practice together in some way. And probably the most important way that any of us can simplify our lives is just to get rid of the type of laziness that makes us take on thousands of things um, that we think are more important than our own personal transformation. So congratulations. I think your presence here is a tremendous reflection of your willingness to make sure that the things that matter the most aren't at the mercy of the things that matter the least. And that's why aspiration and intention is, is so important. And we're all here to support each other in that wonderful process. And as both... Uh, Tara and La have said that in the retreat environment, we're nourishing our practice. We're creating this supportive container that we all contribute to and we all draw from in some way. And to facilitate this, we create this safe space together with a set of very special conditions um, that nourish our individual and collective practice together. And several of them have already been described for you. The most important is being released from the daily details of our lives. Uh, and those special conditions also include a commitment to follow the five precepts while we're on retreat. And it might be helpful for those of you who are new to the practice to learn about the origin of these precepts and their origin lies in the four noble truths that La just mentioned and these four noble truths are at the heart of every single Buddhist tradition you know, again first that life is inherently challenging and difficult it requires this constant accommodation to events and things that we have absolutely no control over and that Second, there are root causes of our dis-ease, our ill-being, and it comes from our need to have things be other than what they simply are. And the third is that the end of suffering is possible. Peace and happiness are possible for each and every one of us because they don't depend on what's going on, but they depend on how the mind and heart respond to what's going on. And then there's this thing called the fourth noble truth, which is called the Noble Eightfold Path. And in the Buddha's lifetime, as the number of lay people 
began to increase that were following him. So not just monastics who were joining him and committing to all of these monastic precepts, but the number of people who were lay people were coming to hear him and they wanted some way of practicing, uh, of directing their lives. And the Buddha developed the five precepts for this purpose so that lay people could follow uh, what he believed reflected behaviors that were part of a very ethical life. And those precepts are reflective of this noble eightfold path. And at the heart of these precepts is the value of non-harming. And that value of non-harming reflects in some way the values of all spiritual traditions. Uh, the values of non-harming that encourage us to, to live an ethical life. And in the insight tradition, all yogis on retreat are asked to keep a similar version of these precepts while on retreat. And in my tradition, which my root tradition is the Thich Nhat Hanh tradition, but I've started uh, teaching something that I call Thaipasana because I love both traditions so much. And our version of the precepts are called mindfulness trainings. And the name is designed to remember us that they are trainings and not commandments. And as such, they're considered very, something very similar to uh, the North Star. They're guides uh, pointing our lives in the direction of awakening. Uh, and they're ethical guidelines for cultivating not only our individual happiness, but our collective happiness, recognizing our interdependence. And they're guides rather than commandments for a couple of different reasons. First, keeping them in the forefront of our awareness continually deepens our practice and understanding of them. And second, we can't do them with any kind of perfection. We're always correcting the course. And the spirit that we keep these in is similar. It reminds me um, of last year I was on a sailboat trip on the ocean with two friends of mine from my sangha invited me. They, they sail for five months of the year and they invited me to join them for a few weeks and it was marvelous. And they have this steering mechanism that is similar to a GPS mechanism in a plane where you are never directly on course. You're always correcting your course. So you might be a little off this way, and then it self-corrects this way, and it self-corrects that way. And that's what the mindfulness trainings in my tradition are designed to be, just something that you can notice when you've gotten off course and you can correct. And so the mindfulness trainings reflect this possibility that's uh, possible for all of us to live in a more sacred and spiritual way. And in addition, they are very important reminders of the choice that's constantly before us to feed the pathways of old habits and impulses or to develop new pathways of, of mindfulness. And so I'll share a version of the five mindfulness trainings from my tradition with you. And after I recite each mindfulness training, I'll recite the shortened precept that we are asking you to commit to while on retreat. And we're asking you to commit to these precepts in order to help build a, a solid and safe practice container for all of us. The first mindfulness training, reverence for life. 
Aware of the suffering caused by the destruction of life, I am committed to cultivating mindful ways to protect all forms of life. I will practice looking deeply to develop compassion and learn ways to work mindfully for the welfare of all living beings. I will listen with an open mind to those who hold perspectives different from my own in order to transform violence, fear, anger, and confusion in myself and others. During the retreat, I commit to the precept of not killing or harming sentient beings of any kind. The second mindfulness training, generosity. Aware of the suffering caused by social injustice, I am committed to cultivating loving kindness and generosity by sharing my time, energy, and resources with those in need. I am determined not to steal and not to possess anything that should belong to others. Through mindful action, I will attempt to reduce the suffering created by the exploitation of human beings and other species. I will practice looking deeply and living in the present moment, aware that chasing after wealth, fame, power, and sensual pleasure may contribute to suffering in the world. During the retreat, I commit to not taking anything that belongs to another. The third mindfulness training, sexual responsibility. Aware of the suffering caused by sexual misconduct, I am committed to cultivating responsibility and trust in my relationships to promote love and fidelity between partners. I am determined not to engage in sexual relations without mutual love and a serious commitment. I will do everything in my power to protect children from sexual abuse and to safeguard families from being broken by sexual misconduct. During the retreat, I vow to refrain from sexual activity. The fourth mindfulness training, mindful speech. Aware of the suffering caused by unmindful speech and the inability to listen to others, I am committed to cultivating loving speech and deep listening. Knowing that words can create happiness or suffering, I'm determined to speak truthfully with words that inspire self-confidence, joy, and hope. I will not spread news that I do not know to be certain and will not criticize or condemn things of which I am not sure. I will make a mindful effort to keep communications open in times of conflict and do my best to reconcile and resolve all disagreements, however small. During the retreat, I vow to maintain right speech by keeping noble silence. The fifth mindfulness training, mindful consumption. Aware of the suffering caused by unmindful consumption, I am committed to cultivating good health for myself, my family, and society. I am determined not to hurt myself or others by abusing intoxicants or other potentially harmful items. I will look deeply into the consequences of what I eat, drink, purchase, and allow into my consciousness, including certain TV programs, magazines, films, and conversations. I know that by mindfully consuming the many wondrous things life has to offer, my well-being will flourish. During the retreat, I vow to refrain from using intoxicants of any kind. And just to clarify, this does not include any medication prescribed to you by a doctor or healthcare professional. So in, in my tradition, rather than asking yogis to keep the small version of the retreats. At the end of the retreat, we offer a, a formal ceremony, and somebody who has uh, been ordained by 
Thich Han or Thai as we call him, actually transmits the trainings during this ceremony that everybody participates in. And it's actually um, quite lovely. And uh, I have been all over the place now transmitting these trainings, including in several Wisconsin prisons, which has uh, been very, very touching. So before we end our evening with our next meditation together, I just want to wish each of you a wonderful retreat. And in addition to intentionality, La mentioned patience. And patience at the beginning of a retreat is so important to the process of, of settling into a retreat. And this process of settling in isn't linear or progressive. You'll find yourself going here and there and everywhere. But what it does involve is just beginning to develop this thread of awareness uh, that will run through the retreat for you. And we're not grasping at anything. We're not trying to get something. Uh, we're just trying to be present with this flow of mindfulness, uh, a flow of awareness in which everything matters. And one of the ways that I have found personally to make this happen, to really begin to cultivate this being state of mind rather than the doing state of mind that is so rewarded in this culture is while you're on retreat, practice not only being on time to each session, but giving yourself really the time and space to move slowly to each session um, so that everything can be this continuation of, of practice. Uh, I'm always a little bit dismayed when I see yogis screeching into the room to, to make it on time because I think if we can't develop that kind of spaciousness, uh, on retreat, the chances of us being able to develop this threat of mindfulness and slowing down in our lives outside of retreat is going to be very difficult. So I really invite you to plant the seeds of moving slowly and creating space around each of the activities just by giving yourself enough time to, to get places. So with that, uh, let's end our evening together with our a meditation uh, and uh, start out with some we'll keep this one short tomorrow morning we'll start with a 45 minute meditation before breakfast that won't have instructions but for those of you that are new to the practice I always begin my meditations with the same three steps so the first thing that I do is I just assume a dignified posture one that feels comfortable, but where I'm upright. Uh, if you're sitting in a chair, I really try to either put a cushion between my back and the chair uh, or anything that, or move away from the back of the chair, anything that's going to keep you from slouching like this into the chair because your posture is really a reflection of your attitude in meditation. So you want to be upright, and dignified in your posture, but not, it shouldn't be uncomfortable. And if you're sitting on a cushion, it's really good to make sure that there are three points of contact. On a chair, it's your two feet. So if your feet don't reach the ground comfortably, make sure you put a cushion under your feet or something to, to make that happen. But 
when you're on a cushion, it's important to have the cushion be high enough so that your butt is higher than your knees. That will save your back. Uh, so if you need more height, do that. And also make sure that your knees are actually touching the floor. So if you have to, I go back and forth between um, a cushion and a chair often when I'm on retreat myself. And I am not one of these flexible people because I played sports my whole life and never learned how to stretch. So I have to put lots of things underneath my knees to make them touch. So whatever you have to do is absolutely fine. Um, you'll see me going through a little more rigmarole than usual because uh, I'm still recovering from a motorcycle accident that I had in August uh, when I was I was on a five-week solo trip and uh, the motorcycle uh, I was going very slowly the motorcycle went over but unfortunately my foot got pinned underneath so uh, it's been a real lesson in in patience so whatever you have to do to make yourself feel comfortable the other thing is is if you have to change position this isn't a practice where we bully ourselves just do so very mindfully if you have to change positions during a meditation. That's absolutely fine. And during the longer meditations, there'll be a bell that's invited halfway through the meditation that gives you permission to move about uh, and do that. So after you assume this dignified posture, that's step one. Step two is simply to come into your body. So just... Close your eyes. Come into your body. There are a different, uh, couple of different ways to do that. Some people do a short body scan. And they might start at the top. You might start at the top of your head and consciously relax the top of your head. And just move down your face and Consciously relax the area around the eyes and behind the eyes. And let your jaw drop just about a quarter of an inch to relax it or so. Notice if there's any tension in your neck. Notice if your shoulders are tight or hunched. Sometimes I like to just bring my shoulders up to my ears and let them drop into a natural position. And just let go. Now, letting go of the tension in your arms, your hands, letting your fingers relax. Moving down to the area of the chest, relaxing the energy around the heart. And down to the belly, just not holding the belly in or out, but letting it, just let it fall right in your lap. Let your hips be loose. And alternatively, you can just pay attention to the points of pressure or contact between your feet and the floor, 
your buttocks and the chair or the cushion, the bench. Notice the feel of the clothing on your skin, the air on your face. Just come into your body, noticing what sensations might be present. And after these first two steps of assuming the dignified posture, coming into your body, just bring your attention to the sensations of the breathing. Noticing the entire in-breath the pause between the in-breath and the out-breath and the entire out-breath. Breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. In, out. By focusing on our breath in this way, we're developing the concentration element of our meditation practice. And if the mind wanders, and it will wander, and very soon it will wander, that's not a problem. It's just what the mind does. When you notice that the mind has wandered, the successful moment in meditation is when you do notice it and you bring your attention back to the very next breath. If you do this a hundred times in five minutes, you have a hundred successes. So you won't hear my voice anymore and the next thing you'll hear is the invitation of the bell three times to end the meditation and our evening together.
Have a wonderful and mindful evening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.